0: This is episode 113 of the landscape photography show and before we get into today's episode I just want to say thank you for those who have signed up on patreon to get bonus audio from the podcast You know every single week you hear from guests just like from this week and previous weeks And I go more in depth with them for about 15 to 20 minutes on patreon more in-depth on their life, their story, their style of photography, their approach, their advice, and also some more of the in-depth information from what we talked about from the original podcast too. So you get that. If you want access to that, you can go to patreon.com slash johnston and sign up for a tier that fits your budget of 5 10 or $20 a month, and that just helps the podcast continue to go week after week. In this week's episode, we're talking with great, great photographer Brent Clark, who's joining us from Madison, Wisconsin. I talked to Brent on a lot of different topics, and I was excited to talk to him because he has a very unique approach to landscape photography and has been through different approaches of different styles throughout his journey in photography, too. So Brent takes us through that journey. And and one of the things that I was really interested to talk to Brent about was the different catalogs portfolios whatever you want to call them on his website of the collections of images you know i I wanted to talk to him about the entire process of that creating one the process of picking out which images will fit in there the writing part and also the part about you know some of the critique he received back from them if he did at all So we're talking with Brent Clark this week. I hope you guys enjoy this and be sure to stick around for the very end on how you can hear more from Brent on Patreon. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up guys? We're here with Brent Clark. Brent joining us from a frigid Madison, Wisconsin this morning. Brent, thank you so much for joining us. And, and if anyone is unfamiliar with you and you want to get them up to speed for your photography, why don't we just jump right off and start with how you began in photography and, and what in your journey led you to where you are right now?
1: Hey David, uh, yeah, first thanks so much for having me. It's totally an honor. Um, we can do my my life, my abridged life story really quick, and delve into details if you're curious. But um, started with my my love of nature for sure. Um, I joined the Boy Scouts or the Cub Scouts when I was five, and did it my entire childhood, uh, all the way through Eagle until I was eighteen. So I spent a lot of my childhood. Uh, in the outdoors and learning, like, outdoor ethics and skills. Um, I was also really interested in computers. And then after my childhood, I went to school for computer science. I'd still never touched a camera this entire time. Uh, I did crafty things and music and whatnot, but I wasn't, like, an art kid or anything. Um, After college, I had gotten my first big boy job Uh, I was working at like a computer repair desk and, you know, I was making, you know, some amount of money more than a college student and I actually had time off of work. So I planned my first real vacation ever. Uh, I decided with my girlfriend at the time, now wife, that we would, we decided to go to Yosemite uh, from Wisconsin. So take a flight and everything. I'd never been to a national park before. I kept most of my travels local when I was growing up. So to record it, I, I wanted to have a nice camera. And you've probably heard this story before from other photographers, but I bought like a used Nikon D40 from a friend. And we were, went to Yosemite. We were having a fun time exploring the place you know, just as, as tourists. Um, and one night in our hotel i i just googled like sunrise locations yosemite and guess what comes up when you do that it's tunnel view <laughs> so, <laughs> go figure yeah big surprise now so uh we went there for sunrise it was the summer so near the solstice it was super early in the morning drove there in the dark uh i saw the sunrise and like the golden light pour through the valley and light everything up and i you know, like, took the obvious shot with the the D forty, and it's. Ba- I was basically addicted from that point onward. Like, ever since then, I was. I just like became obsessed with learning how to post process photos. Like, spending all my time on like five hundred px, just drooling over f- other people's photos, uh, studying composition, and all that. So, yeah. That's the that's the beginning part of my journey.
0: Your girlfriend, at the time, now wife, she's seen the entire journey come to fruition to where you are right now. Um, what do you think that she would say about your photography?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, she. we started dating in February 2012, and I bought the camera in May 2012. So she, <laughs> she has seen the entire journey. Um, she would say, I think... I think she generally enjoys my photography. I think she, these days I would say it probably gets a little artsier than she normally likes. And she's not afraid to tell me that, but like, you know, she, she likes the more like literal photos, I think. Whereas today I do a lot more like detail oriented, sometimes abstract kind of stuff.
0: Are are y'all opposites in personality?
1: No, we're both, uh, well, in some ways, but we're generally both like quiet nerds, I would say. Okay. Uh, but we're opposite in terms of like, my favorite vacation is like going to a wild place and in the colds and getting snowed on and hiking 30 miles. And her, her favorite vacation is a little more laid back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's fair. But that, I mean, that tells the story of my wife and I as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I love that episode too that you did with her.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's so funny to to talk to photographers and also hear the perspective of their significant other, their partner, um, just because it, it relates back so much to my experience with my wife. And I think a lot of people are, are so much like that. Um, those of us who, who aren't married or dating a photographer, um, You know, so oftentimes her favorite photographs that I shoot are pretty much my least favorite ones and my favorite (laughs) ones are her least favorite ones. So,
1: yeah, every so often when we both find one that we like and goes with the color of the wall in our living room, that's the perfect print.
0: Well, you you know, to get around that, you just paint your wall white and pretty much (laughs) everything goes with it
1: Uh, or neutral gray. <laughs> Neutral gray, yeah, exactly, exactly. Ours is blue, so it's actually fairly hard to find a the right. Ooh, yeah, what
0: shade of blue?
1: Like a like a pretty saturated, like middle blue, like not quite royal, but pretty saturated.
0: Yeah, that's gonna be tough. It has been.
1: Well, you, so uh I have like a seascape photo with like a uh, golden mist, and you know, yellow is like a color contrast with blue, so mm. kind of go for the gold ones.
0: Okay. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I keep mine white. I don't know.
1: That's smart <laughs> for photo-wise.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think the, the obvious question for me to ask is is I was reading through your About Me page on your website um, and, and you set it up perfectly for me on there saying, why, why do I keep doing this? And, and that's my next question for you. Why do you continue to photograph and, and what feeds you from that starting point and, and looking back and, and seeing where you are now, what feeds it now?
1: Yeah, I, I figured you would ask. So actually just within the last week in preparation for this podcast, I like redid my entire website Wow! because yeah, for, for years, you know, I was like, why do I do this? And it's like, it's a pretty hard question to answer. Um, I finally came up with something I thought made sense to me and basically it's, it, uh, it makes me grow as a person and it makes my life really fulfilled and, and interesting and fun and adventurous. So like, it's just a, it's a thing that propels me forward all the time. And uh, you know, that's in several different ways. It's, creatively um i have to stay in relatively good shape to be able to do the the kinds of backpacking i enjoy uh i like interacting with other photographers so it can be social at times um i'm an introvert so it also affords me a lot of time to myself which i enjoy uh i put together four curated galleries too to help answer this question I'll just list them quick. One is called Homeland and it's about communing with the nature right next to me, like in the upper Midwest where I live. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is called Quiet and I really like quiet imagery that's like subtle and like makes you think and feel. So I wanted to have a gallery dedicated just to images like that. I have one called Awe Inspiration, which is about like, The moments that fill me with awe and wonderment uh i feel like the more of those you can put into your life like the richer your life will be and that's not just seeing the most incredible things like a volcano or the northern lights or whatever it's also just like observing like developing a way to appreciate more mundane things like Mm. I'll just walk around the city and be like, Oh man, look at the light on that tree. Like I get excited about things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last gallery is, I just call it creative. And it's about, it's kind of like creating something that wasn't there before either say more abstract photos that you don't, you wouldn't really see with your eye that come out in a camera or creating a thought or a mood or an emotion like with visual metaphors, so that was a lot <laughs> it it
0: definitely reflects what you said earlier that that caught my attention though that that your photography now is much more artsy um yeah. well, who were you as a photographer then
1: then, like between twenty twelve and twenty fifteen I was cruising 500 px like i said and i was really caught by big bold images big colors dramatic light uh just you know attached or really drawn to the the grand moments and just over time over the last i guess six years now really just drawn toward quieter details so
0: what do you think led you to that
1: um I think just it's a hard question. Um, I think just the process of making each kind of image and it is very different and it is, it's not black and white. There's like a ton of in between, but when you're, when you're out making like a big grand image, usually it's not very serendipitous. It's like, I, I, uh, before the shot, I like looked up the location. I planned out when I wanted to be there. I checked out the angle of the sun. I checked out the phase of the moon. Uh, I, I checked out the conditions and I went to this place and I saw whether or not it would work with what I had in mind. Whereas the, the artsy or more detailed or other kinds of shots, I just enjoy the process so much more. It's usually it's, it's more nature first to me. It's like, I, I first find a really cool backpacking hike or a cool region. I want to go to cool park and I go there and I do the hike and I just take photos of anything that catches my eye the entire time. And I just find that process, uh, just a lot more fun and a lot less pressure and a lot more serendipitous. So, I think the the experience itself being better led me toward that kind of imagery. And now I think, I think I just like that kind of imagery better, but, uh, I think it's the, the experience is the primary uh, motivator.
0: You know, I, I asked this question in last week's episode with Franka Gabler. Uh, I don't know if it was in the, the, part available to everybody or the patreon section but i asked her are we are we as a photography community moving away from the grand landscape and having kind of this exodus period over into the more quiet photography moment the serendipitous moment that you were just describing um she said no I I would almost beg to differ with that and and disagree and and say, it seems like so many photographers are going down that path and that journey towards that. What do you think?
1: I think it's, it's hard to tell, but I suspect it might be. The reason it's hard to tell is because like, I tend to follow photographers that, uh, that inspire me and that I really like. So that means I may be missing out on, like, an entire chunk of the community. Uh, So you kind of create your own little bubbles. So, (laughs) like, certainly the people I follow are are trending that way, and I think that's awesome. Um, I think, if nothing else, the community around the, the detail and abstract style of photo is growing, but the entire nature photography community is growing. So I'm not sure if uh, this is getting nerdy, the ratio between the grand landscapers and the intimate photo takers is changing.
0: You set them up. It's like a, you set it up to like a West side story battle here.
1: It's definitely like a gang battle with like choreographed dancing. It's just like that.
0: Yeah. Very artsy, very (laughs) scripted, very choreographed. I can see it all going down. I mean, let's say let's put you up against like someone like Nick page who does a lot of grand landscapes you know what would y'all's choreographed dance be
1: oh my god that's like the hardest question Uh, (laughs) you don't have have to answer (laughs) my lawyer my my agent tells me not to answer that question that's fine that's
0: fine you know why why do you list all of your inspirations from from other photographers I mean uh, you have a long list of people off the top of my head. I think I remember uh, Guy Tal, Sarah and Ron, who are basically on first name, just known basis now. Um, (laughs) TJ Thorne, Alex Noriega, so many, Jennifer Renwick. Mm -hmm. Um, Why list their names on on your website as as forms of inspiration?
1: Uh, I think I'm, I'm just like, I'm such a huge fan of all of them and I I don't want to make it seem like art is created in a vacuum. I mean, we all know it's not, but it's like, I can take a lot of credit for where my photography is at these days, but some of these people on my inspiration list are a huge part of it. Like some people on that list I've learned directly from even in person and like, I want to support them as artists and as professionals. So I want to sp- spread the good word about things that I love.
0: What do you think is common between all of their styles that that you see?
1: I think everyone on that list, like, like their photos range, you know, run the gamut. I think of, uh, styles, but, the, the main thread between all of them is I think they're all just very thoughtful with their images. Like, each uh, each of them... I think they just have... They have something deeper to say with their relationship with nature than, like, this is... Isn't this nice looking? And I, and I really like that about... There's nothing wrong with that, but just my favorite style of photography is like thought provoking.
0: Have you always been a thoughtful person?
1: I think so. Um, uh, I I remember memories as a kid of, you know, asking, I was the kid that asked why 18 times uh, whenever anything happened. So I I would say so.
0: Does that type of personality, that, that wonderment, does that yield to being a more productive photographer. And when I use the word productive, not meaning like quantity of photos, but really quality of depth in your photography.
1: Wow. Uh, that's that's interesting to think about. I'm going to say yes to that. Um, hmm. I think when you're continually asking why that's when you grow and evolve and change and I have to add the usual caveat that if you're not that's no problem it's just that you should be aware of I think it's useful to be aware of what's going on and what draws you I, I, I think if I say in my early days if I never asked why or, or like what do I like or what do I like about this kind of photo I could see myself kind of just stagnating and quitting. I think asking why keeps me going.
0: I think it's true too. I mean, I'm sure if we both looked back at at our paths and photography um, and the images that we took, we could probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm just speaking for you here, we could probably see a pretty, linear path from asking the question why from our first images and moving to you know the most recent photograph that we shot and say well the the questions the 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 why around the photograph that i took and understanding conditions and compositions easily led me to this point
1: i think so like internally it doesn't feel super linear but looking at my portfolio like it kind of has that aspect (laughs) i think just slowly over time like uh like back in the day i went to a, a wider variety of places i think and today i go to i still travel a lot but i tend to go to a smaller array of or you know smaller group of places because i slowly over time when I asked why I liked a place, I like kinda of honed in on my favorite biomes and styles of image.
0: Biomes, that's an interesting word I've never heard described.
1: Uh I, well I'm not a scientist, but just say like you know like I really like deserts and I like canyons and I and forests. And I would say I prefer those to seascapes or coasts, for example
0: what do you think draws you to those places?
1: Um, for the desert, uh, it's the quiet and the ability to just see for miles just like comforts me. I think I, I love, love that feeling. Uh, canyons in particular, like man, the light, you can find great light all day in a canyon. So I really love that. In addition, like, when you're in a canyon, there's like always a backdrop. And I, I tend to not like skies peeking through, say in like a forest shot. So I love in a canyon, you don't you don't really have that. Um forests in particular, I would say the trees are like the ultimate test of a of a nature photographer because they're so chaotic, but also they they have to me the most character of like Anything you can shoot in nature—they all have different shapes and and every and you know colors and uh, I love to try to make try to make an image of a tree with a lot of character. It's very challenging and rewarding.
0: It's really annoying too.
1: Annoying is definitely a good word for it. Sometimes <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mentioned you know you've grown as a person through photography, how, how is that?
1: Mm. Um, I think I'm a lot more patient. Uh, er- earlier we describe I described the process of like, you say, planning out like a grand landscape shot. Um, I, f- I, back in those days, like there was just a lot more, ups and downs. It was like, there was a lot of like frustration and like hurrying and things like that. But today with the the style of shoot now, there's a lot more just going with the flow and like finding joy in what's in front of you at the moment and enjoying mundane things more. And like, I think all that spills over into the rest of my life.
0: In what way?
1: <laughs> uh, it, just, you know, going with the flow and like, um, being grateful for what I have. Uh, I think maybe an example would be the, the pandemic. And like, that. that was really the impetus for me starting that Homeland Gallery is without, I didn't feel comfortable flying on a plane. So I did a lot of, road trips to my favorite places in the upper Midwest and uh kind of just had to like change my perspective the the upper Midwest is it's totally beautiful I've been here my whole life but you don't hear stories of people say traveling from Utah to Minnesota very often (laughs) I'll just put it that way so um I had to shift my perspective a bit and like just be more open to things, to like find what I really connected with and like that's just uh, a parallel to how you can approach the, the rest of life. You can just, if you're not currently enjoying your situation, I think you can always find a silver lining and photography has great great parallels to that
0: you know in in creating the image too how is your appreciation for a photograph different like the backstory the personal journey to create that image different from let's say a desert versus the upper midwest
1: um in the upper midwest it's like i feel like i'm fighting for the underdog sometimes like again it's not it's not like super it's not at nearly as popular there aren't nearly as many national parks but i still think it's like it's super beautiful like the changing of the seasons is is the best part like we have gorgeous winter and autumn so uh when i'm in say out west i'm 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 shooting things that are like to me fairly novel and i'm sh- i'm like trying to show myself and the world like look at this like interesting new thing i found whereas when i'm closer to home i'm showing more like l- look at my my quiet friends i've known for 30 years that <laughs> that are underappreciated like aren't they actually great <laughs>
0: Have you received feedback from those?
1: Um, It's a pretty new gallery. This is a pretty new thing for me, but I I showed them to a couple of my mentors, I would say, and they actually said that it was some of my best work I've ever made. So I think hopefully my my love of these places and subjects is, is coming through there.
0: How did that make you feel?
1: Uh, it made me feel incredible. Like... Most of my photography uh, journey has been like me just thinking of like cool places I wanted to go just because they're cool natural places or I forgot to mention earlier, my, my wife and I made the goal of going to every national park and we're a little over halfway through now. Hmm. So, so what I'm saying is like, that was, uh, that was my goal for a long time now having like a project or like a different motivation or, or passion like it feels really really nice like i'm already thinking ahead like of how i can change this gallery over time there's a few places that i haven't been to enough near me that are like in my opinion world-class i'm like all oh, my you know in the summer i'm gonna go here and in the autumn I'm going to go there and like uh it's just like the next thing I'm passionate about that I that that's uh driving me right now so it's really exciting
0: I want to talk about these um portfolios collections slash galleries and what is the correct term (laughs) I don't really I probably
1: said all of those terms throughout this interview (laughs) uh on my website I think I call them collections but it's all good
0: okay Collections slash portfolios slash galleries is yeah. the topic now. Um, <laughs> I, I want to go through each step in creating those uh, apart from photography. Obviously, mm-hmm. you and I, we know the process of going out creating an image in the field. And I'm sure, you know, 99% of the people listening know about that procedure. Uh, when you get back, though, I want to go through the the steps of creating that collection. Uh, And step one is the curation process. What was that like for you, you know, picking and choosing which images to to actually include? Because I'm sure it was like half and then half and then half of what you even shot.
1: Pretty much. Uh, I'm glad we're talking about this. It's one of my favorite subjects. And I think it's the best way to, uh, like trick people into thinking that you're a good photographer is only showing them the best stuff.
0: (laughs) So the underlying theme of your photography is deception.
1: Yeah, entirely. I (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, like it. Okay. So the process goes, it, it's also really hard. It's like, I find it incredibly difficult. Um, the process goes like when I'm home from a trip Uh, I dump all my raw images on my computer and I uh, just kind of go through all of them and and star them as anyone might. And I just kind of like flag everything that catches my eye, Um, skip a few steps. I I usually come down to 20 or 30 images or so, say from a trip, depending on how long it was and how lucky I was. Uh, And I edit those and have a first draft edit of each image. Um, then I usually wait like six months to a year, probably, as I'm working on my other part of my backlog. Uh, once I come back to the images I just was just speaking about, I polish them up, give them titles, uh, send them out in my newsletter as a collection and all that. So that so now I have these like little groupings of images that are based on a place and a time. And then slowly, like, I mean, I've been at this for close to 10 years now, slowly over time, I've just seen themes in my work. So I never like, never really went out with these things in mind. It's more just like, I keep doing what is inspiring me at any given moment. And once you do that for long enough, start to see the themes so like now in i use actually use bridge lightroom and photoshop it's kind of crazy but for curation i use lightroom and what i do is go through i have a a collection of every image that i've published and then i make a a new collection for my next curated gallery and uh set that as my target collection, go through every image I have. And just like anything I f- think fits a theme I add to the target collection. So let's say for, uh, this like home homeland gallery, I I would be going through like, I don't know, three or 400 photos. I probably found a good hundred of them that would work. I, I, uh, definitely prefer concise collections of images. Um, say 10 to 30 images is my favorite size. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do from there is like you said, just kind of like whittling it down. Um, for the Homeland Gallery specifically, what I did was I wrote down every single uh, grouping of image that I could think of. So the goal was to show off the upper Midwest. And I was like, okay, what are the cool parts of the upper Midwest? We have one of the groupings was powerful water. One of the groupings was, uh, snowy trees. One was autumn trees. One was, uh, serene water. I don't have the list in front of me, but there's like 15 categories. I categorized all the images into each of those. Then I decided to pick one image from each category that led me to about 15 images picked. Then I went through the images I hadn't picked and said like, what are the the bangers that have to be in this collection that are like my total favorites? Picked all those and then I think I probably had 40 images. And then from there, the most painful part is like me going like, I cannot have a gallery of 40 images. Like I have to start just like cutting some of these down. And that's the painful part is like, cutting through nostalgia and, and like uh, just like being attached to certain images uh, and figuring out which ones to remove. At that point I might even, sometimes I start messaging friends and say like, can you please kill some of the images in this gallery? Cause, <laughs> cause I can't do it anymore. And uh, yeah, I, I eventually got that one down to 30 images, but all right. That, that was a, Hopefully that answered your question. That was like no, a huge process.
0: Definitely. And, yeah. and, you know, you mentioned separating like quality versus personal connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best way to ask this question is like, give me an example of one of the photographs that did not make it into the collection, mm-hmm. but you had a deep personal connection to, and, and how hard was it to, to, basically tell yourself this is still a, a good photograph because I have that connection, but it doesn't belong here.
1: Oh, sure. So I, and the, on my website, I have a separate section I call archives, which has all of the images for that reason is because these images that won't fit in my curated galleries for whatever reason, I still have to have them somewhere because I love them. So I have this separate space. So um, a good example is um, in my twenty nineteen Wisconsin gallery. I'm looking at it now. There's a there's a bunch of images there that I took on a a backpacking trip with a my longtime friend that I've known since five. Like he was he was ready to start a family, and it was like. Man, we gotta go out and like, I'm. Sh- we'll still be friends, but like, just to just to be sure, let's go on a backpacking trip before you have a kid. And like, we had this incredible experience the whole time. Like, it was, uh, it was peak fall colors in Wisconsin, and we got like a freak early snowstorm, which mm-hmm. like, what better conditions for a nature photographer than snow and peak colors? So. I have some images in there that are just like, they're gorgeous and they're attached to having a great time with my friend. Uh, But in the curated galleries, either maybe they're too redundant with an image, I think tells us a better story for that, you know, that subject Mm -hmm. or it's just like quality wise, like not, not perfect enough.
0: Do you try to convince yourself that it belongs?
1: oh totally it's like a total mind game with myself just like uh saying like yeah like this 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 image means so much to me i have to include it in my you know in like my artistic statement of who i am if it means a lot to me that i mean that does mean something but and so I'll, I'll, one day I'll say that to myself and the next day I'll look at the, the gallery again. I'll be like, this image isn't strong enough. I got to take it out. So that's the, actually the perfect time to, to call a friend, to phone a friend. like A,
0: <laughs> a, a lifeline.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. Ask the I, audience. I, yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's funny because, you know, there's, there's so many times that, that I can recall of like should i put this you know in this um just my general like landscapes portfolio Mm -hmm. knowing how much i love it but also knowing this portion of the image is like slightly out of focus Mm -hmm. or you know i have another image in here that's stronger that that i'm less connected to but that's technically sound um it is. It's It's exactly how you described it. A, a total mind game that you go <laughs> and you have that, you know, old cartoon, one devil on one shoulder, one angel on the other.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think the important thing is to find some home for those images, be it a print on your wall or the archives gallery like I have here. Or I also enjoy making prints for friends say I go on a trip with a friend and I'll just make the print for them. They'll hang in their house and then I can see when I go to their house or something like that. So it might not be on the fr- the front page of your website, but like you-, you should find a home for the the things that matter to you.
0: Definitely. Um, number two, you alluded to a little bit writing descriptions and, and titling the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, How do you go about doing that? And, and does the writing process reveal to yourself about what you learned internally creating that piece of work?
1: Um, I haven't, I haven't done a ton of writing yet. I have all these ideas for articles, but I at least wrote my, all these descriptions for these galleries. I think it just, the writing kind of just sharpens, uh, sharpens the message. So, um, I think the writing can also actually influence like what images you include, because mm. if, as you think through the whole point of the gallery and like, you want to make sure it's all cohesive, right? So the, the writing gives you like a literal message in language that other, that is pretty clear to to everyone reading it. Whereas the images are since they're not written language, it's like way more up to interpretation. So if you want the message to be super clear and you may not always want it to be clear, but if you want it to be super clear, uh, you write it down and then you look at the collection of images again and you say like, this image actually doesn't fit. It's more important to have like a cohesive message in some cases than showing your best work overall i i think for these kinds of galleries so the writing helps there and then you asked about titling um oh, titling is also brutal to me i think it's uh i've gone back and forth like there's been times where i'm just like i'm never titling an image again like <laughs> it's painful but i think it's important First of all, for practical reasons, like if someone is ordering a print from you, you want them to say like the exact name of the image so you know what's going on. Instead of like uh, the third one from the left on this page with a big tree, like there could be some some uh, ambiguity there. But furthermore, the, the titling, I think, just reveals a little bit like a tiny nugget of what the artist was thinking and what motivates them and like what attracted them to photograph the thing and what attracted them to show the thing in the first place.
0: Third part feedback from people and not necessarily does it lead to gratification that, that you succeeded or did a good job. Um, but, Feedback in terms of leading to new ideas of collections that, that you think you want to work on. Hmm. And it could be a no. You, you, I mean, you
1: it don't might be always no. have to have that. <laughs> I, I think usually when I'm asking about feedback to other people, it's like, do you have ideas for post-processing this different? Do you think, This image should be included in this gallery that I've already made. Uh, Do you think this image works overall? Do you like this image better than that image? Like, those are the kinds of questions I ask for feedback. But I think, I don't think I would be comfortable with someone else coming up with an idea for a collection because I think there's just such a, a personal thing. And, and also like other people haven't seen the tens of thousands of raw images I've taken over the years. They don't really know what, what in my work would make a good collection either.
0: Do you have any inklings of what would? Mm,
1: Like additional collections?
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Oh man. I would say no. I've I've thought so much about these four I have uh, over the last probably year or so that like, I'm really happy with them and I really just want to keep their living collections. Like as, as I keep photographing, images are can be taken out and images will be added. I think time will just tell as to whether or not I make more. It's again, I think it's like, it's more about just like choosing and doing what inspires me at any given time. So I don't, I don't like plan these things out. They just, uh, reveal themselves
0: it's kind of the same style that you shoot in, you know, what you're yeah. geared towards the serendipity in nature and, and finding those images and also the serendipity and realizing that you have a consistent theme. Um, in, in terms one word that I've been myself uh, obsessed with the last few months is, is cohesion. Hmm. Um, why is cohesion so important to the strength of a portfolio or a collection that you're creating?
1: Hmm. I think it just makes it it makes it more interesting and attractive for the viewer um if your if your message at the top of your gallery is like, "I like nature." Uh, I mean, every. I think a lot of people would agree with that, but it's just like, it's not a compelling story. Uh If you can hone in on it more, it makes it more personal. And I think more people will be, they might be intrigued. They might say like, Oh, I never thought of it this way. Like the more specific it is, the, the, the more likely that could happen.
0: Hmm. That makes sense. Um, through through the collection process. I know you mentioned, you know, through throughout your life you were, you know, all the way up to an Eagle Scout, you have an appreciation for protecting natural and public lands. Um th- did this process not only the the collections that we've been talking about, but also photographing the upper Midwest where you've lived for 30 years. Did did that make that passion for you stronger in, in wanting to protect those places and educate about them?
1: Totally. Um, I'm I'm trying to find my voice more on the conservation side, but I want to uh, speak about that more as we go on. Um, well, people, you know, talk about other exa- uh, bigger examples, say out west, like I don't know the poppy fields in California or. Zion getting full of trash or things like that. I mean, that sucks. And it's also happening in places like the upper Midwest. Um, I actually have a similar story as a lot of photographers do, where there is this, uh, beautiful gorge in central Wisconsin and it wasn't super known. It was actually near where my dad grew up as a kid and, uh, it used to be, like, not, like, super protected. You know, like, two-car gravel parking lot. No fences. Uh, you could go down into the gorge. People would literally jump off the cliff into the water. Uh, terrible idea, but it was fun. And, uh, <laughs> like, I, I took – I learned about it. I took images of it, and I shared it. And, like, I don't – I have no gauge as to how – responsible my images were because there were a lot of images coming out of the, that place, but it, it led to like a decent amount of erosion on the the top and fences being put up. So like, you can't even see the best views of the gorge. You can't jump in it and uh, experience it like inside of it, any inside of the gorge anymore. So like I've experienced that firsthand and like, I just want, I want to also make my photography a little bit more about a little more than just about me right now like on my about page the description's mostly about me but I want to talk more about like the importance of sharing the joy of nature of having wild quiet places we can go to to recharge to, to gain perspective and to go on adventures and Um, yeah, more and more that's, that's becoming very, a very important topic.
0: How do you plan to do that? And, and how can other photographers do that as well?
1: Uh, my plan at the moment is just to start writing about it more. Um, in captions of images, I would love to write more blog posts myself. Um, I have... Discussions with uh, like coworkers at my day job or or friends more and more about outdoor ethics. So, um, say they they ask me where I went or like they have specific questions about things and I don't always tell them. And that that's actually started like a discussions about say like location sharing mm-hmm. or um, when I go on a hike with a friend or uh, say. I've gone on a hike with uh, like one of my friends is a concert photographer. We would be on the trail and like, I can explain on like a personal level on a one-to-one basis, like, you know, stay on the trails. um, Don't, don't trample things like just kind of making it part of our culture, just uh, as people that nature is something that we need to preserve and not just preserve, but, even and expand if possible. Where can people go to find more out about you? Uh, my website is th- the best place. Um, you can go to it's Brent goes outside is kind of my handle. And I recently bought a German domain, so it's Brent goes outside. uh, to get there. Wait, why did you buy
0: a German domain?
1: Uh, so that dot D E could be part of my URL. Uh, uh, dot I see what you did <laughs> uh, dot com is also short for commercial and I'm like at this time not uh, not aiming for like a commercial thing with my photography so I just wanted to remove that part too
0: well here's Brent Clark, Brent thank you so much for joining us and, and talking photography,
1: thank you it's been a joy
0: so the conversation doesn't end here. Over on Patreon, Brent Clark and I are continuing to talk more about his style of photography, his approach, and also his love for the Midwest and the Northern Midwest specifically. You know, we talk a lot about the the places that you see when you go there. And we also talk more with Brent about what made him the photographer that he is so if you're interested in hearing that you can go to patreon.com david johnston and sign up for a tier of five ten or twenty dollars a month and get access to that bonus audio not from this podcast episode from my discussion with brent but also every single guest from when i started patreon you can get access to their bonus audio as well again that's patreon.com david johnston and tiers of 5 10 or $20 a month. Anything that's going to fit your budget. See you next week.